Leading off, we're not going to uh, going to fumble around here a little bit. No, we're going to go right to the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline. Dr. Paul Glatt, Philadelphia's leading hair restoration doctor. Visit drglatt.com. It is Tony Jigsaw Cotillo. Follow him at tcotillo23. Heat Ratio Sports is where you can find out. They're becoming their own podcast network. It's really cool over there what they're doing. Uh, but, Tony, I-, I know you were paying attention to the Philly Spring training game today. There's one thing that stood out to me. And that's the bullpen. It's very clear that they've gotten much better. Yo, John, first of all, I, I appreciate you putting Jinx on a leadoff spot. Yeah. Right? You know, <laughs> Always. I, You're my I, Andrew McCutcheon, right, if that's and, a good and, thing. Fantastic. And we, we didn't cue any, any uh, Saved by the Bell music, which was awesome as well. So I like that. We had a, <laughs> a much smoother beginning tonight. Uh, but, now, nah, listen, me and you were on the hype train. We talked last week about the Phillies. We were on a, the hype train about Eflin and Alec Bohm and the lineup. But the one thing we did talk about was the bullpen, and the bullpen was such a direct last year, right? And it really was. And, and here's the thing. I don't honestly, I am not want to stick up for Clintac that much, but I don't really think it was all his fault. I mean, he did try to bring in some pieces. They just kind of didn't work, you know? So now he brings us some veterans, and I'll tell you why. I mean, the Archie Bradley thing kind of was, like, underrated, in my opinion. Like, no, nobody talked enough about it. I think, I think Archie was his own hype man, so to speak, on social media, and he was, you know, he was kind of hyping himself up, but they have a lot of decent arms. Uh, you see Anderson today, who looked really good, looked really solid as maybe a fifth starter, maybe, you know, but the bullpen definitely has improved. Yeah, bullpen has, and how excited should we be, though, about the bullpen? Because I, I will admit, after seeing R.G. Uh, Bradley and Jose Alvarado both, and I think they were the two biggest acquisitions this offseason other than the re-signings, but, I, I mean, I'm I'm feeling really excited about them. And, you know, I'm not saying because I'm, I'm still on the fence with the Phillies. I'm not sure how all-in I want to go with them or how much I do like them. But I, I really like what they've done with the bullpen, at least this season. Those are two really good arms. Yeah, listen, I mean, obviously we're talking about one spring training game, right? And we're talking about, you know, on paper, like we do every year. But the thing that I like about it is it's different names. It, you know, it's a different agenda. Like last year, it's like the same names we've seen all over again. And, you know, we don't have, we don't have a Luis Garcia sitting there, right? We're not worried about that. I mean, you still have Hector Neris who, you know, listen, I'm not ready for him. I'm not ready for him to be a closer again, but maybe as a seventh or eighth inning guy, spot guy, he may be okay. But I, I, I think Romero is another inning to keep an eye on. I mean, you know, Romero is a guy who, who really looked good last year. He had his back and forth. He went up and down. Younger kid, right, comes from the pedigree. But I think he's another important part with him. Bradley, you brought it up. I mean, listen, Alvarado, 99 miles an hour. Did you see some of that dancing stuff he was throwing today? Yes, I did. <laughs> that is, that's, well, that's what, that's what stood stood out to me is because the Phillies never had live arms, at least last season, didn't really have good live arm talent. And then Jose Alvarado comes in and it's going, whoa, all right, this guy's throwing 99 mile an hour. What now? Mm. Turbo sinkers? Uh, yeah, it's just, it stood out to me, the arm talent today. Who was the last? Uh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go out on a limb here, but was it Billy Wagner, the last guy in our bullpen to hit over 99? Maybe am I wrong? Oh. By that? I, I, I'm just throwing it out there, but it might. Have been I Billy can't Wagner. think of any. If there is one, it was probably somebody that we just completely forgot about because he wasn't any good. Uh, but exactly. I I don't think so. It's it's been a while since I've seen a kind of arm like that. Ryan Madsen yeah, had some heat. I'll wise. give him that. Madsen wasn't hitting top 90s, but he had yep. some heat. Yeah, I'll tell you what, 
he had that cutter going hard, man. That two-seamer that he threw. And he also has one of the most underrated change-ups I've ever seen. His change-up was so good. His fastball change-up. That Brad Lidge year, the the World Series year, was phenomenal. The bridge to Lidge. The bridge to Lidge, man. (laughs) That's exactly right. Uh, Never forget it. The the arm talent of the bullpen is much better, but I've been... In spring training... You know, there are a few guys we're keeping an eye on. I think one is, you know, sort of the changes that Alec Baum is making as he makes his second season in the major leagues. What's the kind of step that he's going to take? I actually think Reese Hoskins has been said so far this offseason to be the most important player for the Phillies this season, meaning the success of the lineup pretty much is predicated on the success that Reese Hoskins has because we know what Bryce Harper, Real Muto, bring, and even Gregorius, but Reese Hoskins would take this lineup to a new level. I actually think it's Alec Bohm, and his development to me is maybe one of the most important pieces of this Phillies team. Is that kind of wrong in saying, or is, is Alec Bohm potentially going to be that good and potentially could be this season for them. No, I completely 100% agree. I think he honestly is the most important person in our lineup, to be honest with you. If if he's going to bat six or seven, probably seven, and you're talking about a guy last year who batted 338 in a shortened season, he had, uh, I think it was 13 multi-hit games. He only had 10 out of his 40 that he actually went hitless. He took the ball to every different direction. He 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 went with pitches a lot last year, which was nice. And as a, a big right-handed power guy, if you can go to right field in that little porch and scissors bank park, I mean, you're going to hit a lot of opposite field home runs. So the biggest thing with Bone was his glove. And, and if you've seen him in spring training, even a couple of flashes here and there, he's definitely worked with it. So, But I think offensively, he definitely is because I can't rely on Reese Hoskins, John. Just can't. I'm not, you know, I'm not a Hoskins guy. No matter how much he works on the swing, sometimes to me, if you lost it, you lost it. I mean, I just, I, I don't see him ever getting back to where they think he was, at, you know, further down the road. Yeah, my problem with Hoskins, and, and look, I don't want to go too far and think like Hoskins is bad. I don't, but he's a power hitter that doesn't hit like a power hitter. He doesn't hit fly balls very often. He's a line drive hitter, uh, and the the numbers that he's getting, the, the fly ball rate isn't where it should be for uh, a power hitter, and then his fly ball to home run rate isn't even close, and you add those two things combined, the fact that he doesn't hit too many fly balls, the fact that his fly balls don't often go out like a home run hitter should, it's like, well, this guy isn't a home run hitter. He's a line drive, hard contact hitter, and, you know, he he doesn't swing the bat enough, or he's not good enough to have that kind of average to warrant it. I'm just not, I'm not a big Reese Hoskins guy. I loved him when he first came up, and it was a great story, but I think that ship has sailed, right? Like, I I think it's all sailed, and and to think that he could be some kind of all-star type player I, I just don't think it's in him. No, I completely agree. And I think indirectly, I think he kind of got screwed from having such a big year when Bryce Harper wasn't here. And the reason why I say that is because, remember, we talked about before the Bryce Harper pursuit was, can Reese Hoskins be the face of the franchise? Can he be the guy who gets on posters and in commercials? And we all were like, no. So he had such a remarkable year, but has been – technically the face, even though we knew he couldn't be the face. And then here comes Bryce Harper, who we want and is the face, and now you kind of forget about Hoskins, and now it's like he's, it looks like he stinks. I mean, it's a shame, but I think indirectly he got screwed for having such a big year. Because think about it. If that was last year and he hit 34, 35 home runs, just say, oh, my God. We would we would be ecstatic about Reese Hoskins. Right. It would but be now, it would be as similar as where so Alec Bohm is, right? That would be yeah. a similar situation. 
Perfect example, absolutely. We're talking with Tony Cotillo at TCatillo23. Heat Ratio Sports is where you can check out all of uh, their stuff as well, building a good crew over there. Uh, so from the Phillies, I, I want to branch over into the NBA. We're in the All-Star break. Uh, the Sixers will get to, but there was actually a move, I think, that was made today. I know it was reported that uh, Blake Griffin was going to the mm-hmm. Nets. How much does that uh, Blake Griffin change uh, your perspective of the Nets, or at least when it comes to the gap between them and the uh, the Sixers? It changes a lot, in my opinion, and only because they're not done. And I and listen, I'm not. I know I get the jigsaw name for my man Sean because <laughs> he says I'm negative. But the problem with me, John, is they're winning right now without Kevin Durant. They're winning right now without KD, without one of the best players in the world. And I'm tired of everybody making excuses and saying, oh, well, there's not going to be enough balls to go around. They're not going to be able to play together. And now you just add it, Blake Griffin, who you say what you want. We've seen this before. Guys that play in bad situations who don't play to their potential. Blake has had a ton, a ton of unfortunate injuries throughout his career. Okay, we already know that. And then he was just... He, he was uninterested in playing for Detroit. We get that. But if they could just get a, a, a little smidgen of what he was in Clipperland, and you just added him, plus I still think they're going to add Andre Drummond, I am very, very scared of the Brooklyn Nets. Say what you want. If we do not make a move, I think we can have a problem going forward. Yeah, I feel like the Sixers will make a move, and that's also part of the conversation when we talk about you know the Nets and Sixers and how they match up. Uh, but you think they also get Andre Drummond? Like, is there uh, how much do the Nets have to do because they're going to most likely, I think, have to go through the Sixers and Joel Embiid? How much do you think they'll have to do to get enough size for you to think, all right, that's that's enough to at least somewhat? You're not going to stop Joel Embiid, but at least slow him no. down enough to where they can match up pretty well against him, and then let. Durant and Irving and Harden take over scoring. Well, well, that's that's the issue, right? We we talked about number one that we need a fourth shooter on this team simply because of what you just said. Take Joel out of the game. You're never going to take him out completely, but a 40 point Joel compared to a 17 point Joel is a big difference on this team right now because now you're expecting Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris to carry that load. And even though Ben has stepped up, and even though Tobias has stepped up, Tobias actually has disappeared in some games where we've actually needed to lean on him to be that guy. So that concerns me. And now you add another guy who, not for nothing, but can shoot and and can drive and can isolate. And one of the other issues is our perimeter defense. So now you're going to have a guy shooting and sla- or driving and slashing, kicking back out to James Harding, kicking back out to Joe Harris, kicking back out to Kyrie Irving, and we're going to have nobody out there to defend them. It's a very scary image in my head, and that's why I think Maury's not going to make one, but he's going to have to make two moves to kind of combat the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, and he's likely going to. And one of the moves that we've heard, or at least was rumored today, was P.J. Tucker. Uh, I, I don't think a huge impact, but what it, what would somebody like P.J. Tucker be able to do for the Sixers if he did come here? You know, it, yeah, I heard that too, and I, I kind of have that, eh. Like, okay, all right, P.J. Tucker, he's going to give you, uh, you know, he, he can shoot the three a little bit, nothing crazy, he gives you a, a physical presence, a nice guy off the bench. I mean, I mean, is he is he that much more than what you have in Mike Scott right now? I mean, I, I don't know. No disrespect to P.J. Tucker, but – I'm not getting my, my head blown away here by P.J. Tucker. Like, I think it's a nice move if you're talking about the seventh or eighth guy off the bench. 
But we need we need Kyle Lowry, man. I'm going to say it again. We need Kyle Lowry. I mean, you know, and I, I keep saying Kyle Lowry because, to me, he's the only guy that's actually attainable right now in any kind of deal because I don't think there's anybody else that we could get. So, P.J. Tucker, John, 7th, 8th guy, but I'm still not going, you know, riding home about it. Yeah, is that kind of where you think they're going? They can get P.J. Tucker as a 7th, 8th guy. They said they're going to get him either via trade or a buyout uh, is what's been reported. But, yeah. I mean, is it just you can use P.J. Tucker, bolster up the bench, but really uh, everything's being set up still to kind of get Kyle Lowry and those two pieces and maybe another one through a buyout, whatever it may be, uh, would be enough. Like, how much? what would the Sixers need to do for you to go? Because obviously you just spoke very highly of the Nets, and I do too, because they're doing it without Kevin Durant right now, and I think James yep. Harden has fit into his role so well. Kyrie Irving has been great. Now they just added Blake Griffin. What would is Kyle Lowry and PJ Tucker enough? Like how much would they have to do for you to go, all right, futures, DraftKings Sportsbook, that's when I'll, I'll fire on the Sixers, or at least I, I think that they can beat the Nets. What would be that well, move or move? No, you make a good point. You know, and, and and listen, from me being on the other side of the phone right here and hearing you say those names and that lineup for Brooklyn, it scares me even more, yeah, right? It so, does. It really I mean, does. Uh, honestly, I mean, it has to. Anybody who knows basketball, and, and where are all the people, all, all my James Harden people that said, hey, he doesn't know how to play defense? Where's all my people that told me James Harden doesn't know how to diss the ball? Okay. Uh, that, they didn't watch like, They didn't right? watch him in Oklahoma City then because nope. he, he had all right. this in him. You knew all about it. They're all radio silent right now, every single one of them, and that's what scares me. Listen, when you are – a James Harden, when you are a Kyrie Irving, a former champion, okay, James Harden wants to be a champion, you are going to do whatever it takes to get that ring because he knows that's the chip that he wants to put in his trophy box. So, getting back to the Sixers, we know when they get to the playoffs, you're going about seven deep, right? The eighth guy, you know, you hope he doesn't play. So let's think about it in that perspective. So if you were able to get Kyle Lowry, that pushes somebody, probably Danny Green out of here, which is great because I Uber his ass to Canada, no problem, okay? <laughs> so that, I have no issue with that. Okay, and if that could push Seth Curry to the sixth or seventh spot with Shake Milton, and then you tell me the seventh guy is P.J. Tucker, so you tell me the playoffs, I can have Shake, I can have Curry, and I can have P.J. Tucker as my three, and then I still have Dwight Howard. That's why uh, I'm, I'm rolling, John. I'm ro- 100% I'm rolling because now it's a completely different makeup of the team. Right now, you're leaning on guys like Kerry and Green, who we I think we kind of agree that are kind of playing starter minutes that shouldn't be playing starter minutes. Yeah. So you have yeah. to go to the well, right, to Maxie and Mike Scott. And, like, and that doesn't work right now. Yeah, you know, I think it'll be a great matchup between the Nets and Sixers if things do play yeah. out how we how we think. And, you know, the, the matchup that always is going to be a lot a lot more difficult to defend is whoever the Nets get to defend Joel Embiid, whether it's Andre Drummond, or I don't think they would put Blake Griffin on him, but, you know, whoever nah. it may be, uh, that's going to always be the toughest challenge because nobody, not even defensive player of the year favorite Rudy Gobert, could stop Joel Embiid, and that's always going to be a difficult task for them. We're talking with Tony Cotillo at TCatillo23. You can find him on Twitter. He's joining me via the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline on the line change, Fox Sports The Gambler, presented by Cura Auto Insurance. Uh, I want to go for the rest of these now and talk about the rest of them because it seems like the Sixers and Nets Sean Brace today was trying to sell me on the Boston Celtics. I have been trying to sell Sean Brace on the Miami Heat. 
Who are who do you think are legitimate contenders? Is it just the Nets and Sixers, or should we be looking at the Celtics, the Heat, maybe the Bucks as well? Even though I, I, I'm I'm not on the Bucks at all. I don't like them. Sean loves the Bucks. Uh, yeah, he told me I was not. He was he was showing love to the Bucks. Celtics today a little bit too much. I'm like, yeah, they're playing well, but I don't know about that well. Yeah, I, I listen. I, I hate to sound like this, but when I I look at this overall roster. Uh, and I should say the top six or seven right now. I mean, number one, who would tell you that the playoffs start today that the, the New York Knicks would be in the playoffs, right? That's crazy. <laughs> who, who, who would think that, right? It's crazy, right? But with the with the Miami Heat, the thing with the Miami Heat that that I consistently say is Jimmy Butler, can he do it again, right? Because it all revolves around Jimmy Butler. And if you look at that team to me, all those players, guys like Jordan Grodzik, guys like Tyler Hero, Duncan Robinson, you know, these are all guys that have to try that extra effort in order to be that good. So I don't put a lot of stock into that team, especially on a short and all season. So I'm not in old Boston unless Boston makes a move, John. We don't know. Like, if Boston makes a move, because they're one big man away from being a legitimate contender, I think. I mean, right now, they're looking at guys like Tristan Thompson and, and Garrett Williams. I mean, no, Daniel Thies. No, no, nobody that's really, you know, blowing All your terrible. Right. All terrible. Exactly. <laughs> I'll just say it. Exactly. All terrible. So maybe, maybe if you take an Andre Drummond, and I just say that because obviously we know he's out there, and you, you insert him into that team, right? Maybe they become that much more better. So, I mean, honestly, I still think it's Phillies, uh, the um, Phillies Sixers and the Brooklyn Nets. I, I, I don't see... Anybody comparable to either one of those teams in the East to even give them a, a good series, in my opinion? Yeah, I don't think so as well. And especially as we laid out what the rosters could look like, and it's going right. to change. We know we know it's assume it's going to change with the Sixers and their lineup, and I assume with the Nets as well. And those potential lineups that we've been rumored to hear and what it potentially could be, I mean, those two by far would be the best teams. But I want to go to uh, uh, awards, and mainly, I think, the MVP award. The rest of them, there's not really a play here. But Joel Embiid is now the favorite at plus 200 over LeBron James. Mm. Is this just a two-horse race? Like, are we just looking at Embiid and LeBron James, or should we be looking at Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, maybe even guys like James Harden, who could get into the conversation, or Devin Booker in Phoenix? They're doing well, and he's a great scorer. Just, it, who else should we be looking at, or is it just mainly LeBron and Embiid we should be focused on? Uh, you know, it, it's such a tough question because... It's like whenever you look at it, it's always about the voters. It has nothing to do with. Me I know. And John Isn't that the worst thing, that right? that's all we talk about is what the voters like the storyline is going to be for them? It stinks. It's like when you talk about the, the baseball Hall of Fame, right? It's like who the voters want to vote in. Which oh, yeah. What kind of agenda do they have? What, what, what kind of yeah. player do they hate? Oh, yeah. It's the worst. Exactly. It's brutal. It's for, it, listen, here's why I think it will and should be Joel Embiid. And number one, this all hinders around Anthony Davis, in my opinion, because without Anthony Davis, number one, the Lakers stink. Number two, <laughs> LeBron cannot continue to play 35, 36, 37 minutes a game and hold up for the entire season. He is going to break down. It's just You're already starting to see it every now and then. It's not going to work. And number three, the game is evolving, right? You, you just mentioned a guy like Nicolo, uh, about um, Jokic. You look at, in Memphis with Valachunas. 
Look at in Orlando with Vucevic, right? These are big guys, seven footers, that are number one shooting threes, number one defending on the perimeter, number two having double-double monster games like we haven't witnessed since probably the days of Tim Duncan, you know, going back to those big men. So if you want to bring back this big man energy into the NBA that's already filled and flooded with point guards and perimeter players, this is the time to do it. You give Joel Embiid the MVP that he deserves, and you change the game for the next five years. So in my opinion, that's why I would give it to him. As long as he continues on the same level he is right now, he is undoubtedly the best player in the NBA. Follow him at TCatillo23. It's Tony Tony Jigsaw Cantillo, can't forget the nickname. The nickname is uh, is a good one. Uh, Tony Jigsaw Cantillo joining us on the Dr. Glatt Regrow Your Hairline on the line change. Uh, last question for you. Usually we have you on, and you're on with Sean Brace, and have a, a minute-long hit every single day on the Daily Ticket for DFS, an NBA DFS. So uh, the first half was just crazy and I'm, I'm the second half I expected to be the same but what are you expecting to be a little bit different in the second half of the NBA season specifically speaking towards DFS you know I'm hope what, what, what I'm thinking will be different and what I'm hoping are probably two different things <laughs> but I'm, <laughs> I'm hoping the injury news will come out a lot sooner than three minutes before tip-off uh, and I think the parlay people and the betting people as well would appreciate that too uh, because that has literally killed a lot of the mojo when you talk about DFS because, listen, you put those lineups in at you know, 655 and then all of a sudden 658, boom, you find out, oh, Steph Curry, he's not playing tonight. Draymond Green, oh, yeah, they decide not to play tonight. So I, I think that will change a little bit because it's the second half of the season and I think players are going to be playing for more. I think in the first half of the season, they were really lackadaisical in their approach in the sense that, yeah, give them a, day, a load management day, give them a day off. So I think that will change the DFS landscape. But also, it's exactly what we just talked about. It's the trade market. So you think about a guy named Blake Griffin who hasn't played at all, and now all of a sudden, you know, what is that price going to be in DFS? Is he going to come in at, a, at an $8,000 guy? Probably not. He's probably going to come in at like a five fifty-five, six thousand dollars $6,000 value. So they're the kind of guys you want to hit on for like the first two weeks until it skyrockets up to nine grand because he's playing on a team where even if he only plays 20 minutes, Donnie's going to give you 30 points just by accident because he's not going to be looked at by the other team. So in DFS, keep an eye, in my opinion, to the trade market and pounce on those guys for the first two weeks when they're in their new digs to give you the ultimate values. And right now I'm looking at on my screen a little baseball, and I can't wait to talk MLB DFS mm. with you as well. That's going to be fun. Uh, uh, I always like – I enjoy MLB DFS more than any of them. NBA's great when it's not in the pandemic season like this and it's all Ooh. crazy, but it's, it's I like I like it's MLB tough. DFS a lot. I know what you hate is starting – pitchers you hate trying to get isn't it something like that like you you hate trying to figure out what starting pitcher to get because that's always the biggest one for uh mlb well, it's, yes it's it's it, it's funny it's you know you have i call it the snowflake effect and, and you get that a lot at basketball it's like when i have a dead to me list i always say that like if you if you screw me over two and two times in a row you're dead to me i don't care how good you are oh, when you get you when get. you see that snowflake on your lineup when uh, a bunch of flames are on there you're yeah. like that one that one guy had to ruin exactly. it exactly and in, in, in baseball you need two stars that's yeah. the thing you, you you're picking two stars if neither one of your stars gives you 25 or 30 points you lost forget it so you have to pick 
the two top starters that you can to give you probably about 60 points respectively combined between the two, or you're not going to win weekly in MLB DFS. I can already hear you annoyed about it, and the baseball season hasn't even started yet. That's I can't wait for it, because when we talk MLB DFS, you're going to be yelling at a lot of pitchers, and I can't wait for it. Uh, Tony, thanks for joining me tonight. Good to have you on again this week and, and make it a weekly thing. I think Friday's now. We're still trying to figure it out, but always good talking with you, man, and good to go. good to do it again tonight. All good, man. I appreciate you having me, buddy. You have a fantastic weekend. Yes, I will. You too. At Ticatillo23, Heat Ratio Sports is where you can check out all of his work. And comes on the daily ticket as well. Does a lot of NBA DFS. Has a week off to, to decompress from that because NBA DFS was stressful for the first half of the season. Hopefully not the second half. But yeah, good to maybe have a little bit of time off, decompress, and uh, get ready for the second half of the NBA season.